Earlier this morning, as we slept, our friends in Seke Carister, Transylvania, gathered in their church for communion and celebration. Today is Thanksgiving Sunday for our friends in Transylvania. Unlike here, where Thanksgiving is largely a private family feast, in Transylvania, it is one of the major holidays, one of four communion Sundays. Both a harvest celebration and a recognition of the life of the community, Thanksgiving for our partners recognizes the ways that we rely upon one another and upon the earth. This morning, we also can reflect upon the true mutuality of human life. All throughout my previous ministry in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, I longed for a partner church. Being an intrepid traveler myself, I didn't care where that partner church was. It could be in Transylvania or the Philippines or the Kazi Hills of India or some other home to Unitarianism or Universalism. I just wanted a partner church. I just wanted my congregation to have a partner congregation somewhere else in the world. However, nothing I said or did raised any interest in a partner church relationship. On reflection, I wonder if the reason that the lovely, caring people in my congregation were not interested is because they thought of a partner church as just another service project. Like a number of our Unitarian Universalist congregations, they may have thought only in terms of how they would be helping their partners. They may have thought a partner church was a place to go and to do some manual labor for a week, a place to see quaint villagers going about their agrarian lives. They may have seen a partner church as a place to donate time and money, a one-sided exchange with people far away. And I failed to convince them otherwise. I was unable to express to them that we were the ones in greatest need of this partnership and that if we entered into the partnership as a religious covenant, that we would receive much from the relationship. It's hard for those of us who live lives of relative comfort to imagine that we might need something from poorer people. It's hard for us to imagine that we, with our computers and iPads and cell phones and fuel-efficient cars, that we could learn anything from people who struggle against the elements, against a scarcity of resources, against their own governments to survive. It is hard for those of us who have come dangerously close to ridding our religion of all traditional beliefs to imagine that we would need spiritual guidance from Christian Unitarians and Universalists. It is hard for us to see ourselves as the ones who are in need, and yet we in fact are. If you haven't noticed it yet, the American way of life is pretty toxic It is hard to live in an empire that has global economic domination on its mind. Our hyperconsumption 
is destroying us and much of the world with it. When news anchors talk about how the economy is doing, they're talking about whether you and I bought enough stuff in the last quarter to keep the economy afloat. When they talk about consumer confidence, they're talking about whether you and I think it's okay to go further into debt. The American dream is a nightmare for far too many citizens of the United States. Knowing this makes it easier to see why a partner church relationship is not a high priority for many Unitarian Universalists. It is hard to care for people far away when we struggle to live the life that our country expects of us. We can't see ourselves in need of friendships in foreign places. Because I was not getting any traction in my congregation, I thought, I'll show them. I'll go to Transylvania myself. I'll go see what all the fuss is about. I'll take some pictures, and then they will see why they should get a partner church too. So I went. I went with my good friend Cecilia Kingman and some other ministers who were also interested in checking it out. And more than just checking it out, we went to Transylvania as true pilgrims. Ours was a religious quest. We were not there as tourists or even unskilled laborers on some building project. We went to Transylvania as mendicants, people humbled by our travels, ready to open ourselves to the spiritual lessons that we could learn. And to further heighten our sense of pilgrimage, we traveled by public transportation, and we walked miles and miles from village to village with our luggage in a horse cart. Can you imagine? No giant air-conditioned Volvo bus with a bathroom for us. We would hunt for our bathrooms in the dust and the heat. As the passenger train, the Romanian passenger train, swept us from polluted Soviet-era Bucharest up through canyons to the mountains of Transylvania, I stood for hours in the hallway of the train car, resting on the half-open window and staring out at the passing scenery. When the train would gracefully round a corner and disappear into a tunnel, it was something out of a merchant ivory film. I could almost hear the orchestral music. As we got closer and closer to Kolosvar, I experienced a sense of homecoming. The mountains of Transylvania look very much like the mountains of my Montana home, especially the part of Montana that I grew up in, where the mountains aren't quite so pointy as they are, a little more westward. The small, whitewashed villages reminded me of small-town Montana, and the presence of livestock everywhere took me back to the cows and horses and pigs and geese that I grew up with on our family's ranch. I could see all around me both the beauty of the place and the poverty that often goes with family farms and with village life. 
The sense of homecoming I experienced was not a wave of romantic nostalgia. It was a realization that inhabitants of these Transylvanian Unitarian villages lived lives very much like my own family members. I was not as far from home as I thought I would be. As our pilgrimage went on, through many large, joyous meals, too many toasts with the local plum brandy, a bout of food poisoning that put us all flat on our backs in a church parsonage for 24 hours, and treks to some of the holiest spots in our Unitarian history. Through that pilgrimage, our group came together as only a group of pilgrims, of pilgrims can, and that is to say, uncomfortably. <laughs> Remember, a pilgrimage is not a pleasure trip, nor should it be. Some of you may remember reading Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. If you remember it like I do, you remember a lot of bickering on the part of the various 14th century pilgrims in the book. They all have a different story to tell as they travel together from England's Southwark to Canterbury Cathedral and back. Chaucer uses their stories to criticize English society of his day, by mixing up the class order that the stories are told in and by providing a strong critique to the anti-feminist literature that was popular in those days, he shows us how a pilgrimage can have a lasting impact not only on the person, but on the world in which he or she lives as well. And so it is for pilgrims to this day especially Unitarian Universalist pilgrims who take religious journeys beyond their own suburban towns. Transylvania forced me to deal with my own assumptions. It called into question my own attitudes and my own prejudices. The discomfort it provided proved to be very good for me. This generative discomfort was what I wanted members of my congregation in Pennsylvania to share. I wanted them to journey beyond the safety of their own well-reasoned beliefs. I wanted them to be broken open to the possibility of a deeper faith. But they were not going for it. No amount of showing photographs and talking about the joys of starlit Transylvanian village streets at night seemed to work at all. So I gave up. I just gave up. I learned that sometimes what a minister wants for his congregation is not where the congregation needs to go at that time. I accepted that the Spirit had not yet moved them and that I could not force that to happen. I accepted the fact that they had other work to do, other ways to be religiously adventurous, other spiritual needs to be met. They proved this adventurousness by moving boldly into inner-city Harrisburg and working with the forgotten and the poor who live there. They took the adventure 
It just wasn't where I wanted them to have it. But I, I still wanted a partner church. (laughs) Call me selfish. And now, guess what? I have one. (laughs) What a pleasure to come and to serve a congregation that has a 20-year friendship across the waters. And not just any friendship, but one that demonstrates some of the best things that a partnership can be. What a joy to meet Reverend Yosef Sombat Falvi and to have him participate in my installation just a year ago. What fun to think of traveling to Seke Carister and meeting the good people there this coming November. What a gift to find a congregation such as this where you already know that a partnership is a two-way experience, a holy experience of mutuality and friendship. Amid the celebration of the 20-year partnership between Seke Carister and First Parish in Concord, I want us all to remember that the nature of our relationship is religious. Because it is religious, it will continue to take us into new and surprising places, It will ask things of us that we had not thought of yet. It will challenge us and require much of us. This partnership, I assure you, is between religious equals. It is the meeting of fellow pilgrims on the road. Through its joys and its discomforts, this partnership will sustain both congregations in ways that surprise and delight. It will take all of us into ever deeper spiritual water. So be it. Amen.